pray for that. So we're going to talk about prayer today. We're going to talk about prayer today. This is uh, this year will be Kathy and I's anniversary in November, way off in the distance. And uh, I didn't realize it. I've been thinking it's been coming, but I didn't realize that this would be our 30th anniversary. That's a long, long time to be married to her. You realize. And so I'm speaking to you as a man of prayer that has got me through all these years. But uh, I mention that because uh, everywhere I go, I'm, I'm seeing things that, oh, man, I've got to think about this anniversary. I'm not going to forget this one for sure. And I was somewhere the other day, and there were some Hawaii brochures, and so I picked those up. And, but the deal, it was a good deal, but you had to do it before March. And I think, well, that doesn't help me any. And then I was looking online at this trip to this place and that. And so we're, we're, I'm praying for something fun for anniversary. And I ran across this story about a couple that was celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. Or no, their 30th wedding anniversary. And that's why it kind of tied in. They were 60 years old, though. They had got married at 30 and had been married 30 years, so they're 60 now. And so they've been praying and wanting to some big things for the anniversary. And so they, they got together in their devotion time and they prayed. And they really felt like God had told them, because of their faithfulness and their commitment to their marriage, that he would grant each of them a prayer request of their own. Kind of like Solomon when God said anything you want and Solomon chose wisdom. And so the woman, she began to pray and she says, honey, I'll go first. And so she started praying and she said, God, I want to go to the Caribbean. God, I've always wanted to go to the Caribbean. I want to go on a cruise to the Caribbean. This, and all of a sudden, the sky kind of turned dark, and lightning bolts started crashing around, and they got a little scared, and the house started shaking. And, and when she said amen, there were tickets to the Caribbean in her hands. And she's like, praise the Lord. And he's like, his eyes got huge. And he says, man, God answered her prayer. And, and he says, it's my turn. And so he started praying. And his prayer, being the spiritual giant that he was, he says, God, I've always wanted to be married to a woman 30 years younger than me. And the sky turned dark and the lightning came bolting down and the collapse of thunder and boom, he was 90 years old. So be careful what you pray for. But God answers prayer, doesn't he? God answers prayer. So we're going to talk about prayer today and uh, cover it as well as we can. As well as we can. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, and uh, let's look in verse 1. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves um, forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impotence, he will arise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Great passage of Scripture, and I love the fact that it opens up with the disciples saying to him, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And you know, it seems like that no matter how long people serve the Lord, we always are searching for better ways to pray. 
We're always looking, you know, what am I doing wrong? Maybe it's our prayers aren't being answered the way we think we should, and so we just assume we're doing something wrong. But they say, teach us to pray. And so Jesus begins, and he gives them this example, and then he tells the story. And he goes a little further in 11. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give, a, uh, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so he kind of gives us two illustrations there. One of a friend that comes in the middle of the night asking for food, and he says the guy is not going to open the door to him just because he's his friend at that time of night, but he might do it because the guy keeps bugging him, you know? And then he uses the second illustration of a father. He says, which of you, if your children asked for this, would give them something bad? And he says, if you, who are not the greatest of fathers, give good gifts to your children, what do you suppose the heavenly father will give to his? God is better than any friend, isn't he? God, it doesn't matter what time of day or night, we can call upon him, and he immediately arises, and he meets our needs, doesn't he? We're never bugging God. We're never interrupting God. He is so powerful and so almighty that, that he could be doing a, a, a countless number of things all at the same time and still have time for us. So he is a friend above all friends and that he hears us and he meets our needs. And God is a good father. And it says that he'll give us good gifts for his, us, his children. Dr. John Piper said this. He said, God ignores no prayers from his children. Have you ever felt like your prayers were being ignored? He said God ignores no prayers from his children and he gives us what we ask for or something better. Not necessarily easier if we trust him. And when you think about that, that is really the truth that when we ask God for something and he doesn't give us what we ask for, it may very well be that he's going to give us something better than what we ask for. But he never ignores our prayers. He hears us when we pray. A couple of weeks ago, Sister Betty handed me a little slip in our, Sunday, in our Wednesday morning Bible study, and she said, you've got to share this with the folks. And so I said, okay. And, and I thought it was worth sharing this morning, too, but it was a, about a country preacher. And I didn't take it as a real story, but I went to look the thing back up, and, of course, Snopes had covered it, and they, they said, we can't find the real truth behind the facts. But when you hear the story, I, I doubt that it was true. It said the pastor of a small country church had a kitten that climbed up in a tree in his backyard and then was afraid to come down. You ever had one of those? I've got these tall palm trees, and when we first moved there, my cat was just staring at those things. And every time she'd climb up, I would knock her down as quick as possible because I didn't want to climb that thing to get her down. But this cat climbed this tree in the backyard and couldn't come down. He tried coaxing her down with, with cat food. He tried warm milk. He tried everything he could to get this cat down, and the cat just wouldn't come down. And the tree wasn't sturdy enough to climb. He was probably being a preacher, probably a built guy like myself. So he decided that what he would do is tie a rope to his car in the driveway and then tie the other rope to the tree, one of the branches, and that he would begin to drive away and pull the tree down to a level where he could then grab the cat off the tree. So he began his process. See, preachers are preachers. We're not engineers. We're not brilliant. So he, he ties the tree up, and he begins to pull it. The tree starts to come down, and he's thinking, this is working. He thinks, i, I got to get it just a little further down to really be able to reach this cat. And so he moves just a little further, and the rope snaps. The kitten is catapulted over the neighbor's house and off in some direction, and He's like, oh, my goodness. And so he drives around the block and starts going door to door asking if anybody has found a kitten. 
And they said, no, we've not found a kitten anywhere. And so he bows and he prays, God, it's your cat now. Take care of it. He said a few days later, he was in the grocery store, and one of the ladies of his church was there, and she had a big 50-pound bag of cat food in her shopping cart, and everybody knew she hated cats. And so he went up to her and said, what are, you, what are you buying cat food for? I thought you hated cats. And she says, I do. She says, my daughter's been begging me for a cat. She's been pleading with me for a cat, and I've been putting her off. And finally, I told her the other day, go and pray and ask God. And if he'll give you a cat, you can have a cat. She said the little girl went in the backyard. She bowed on her knees and started praying and came running in and said, Mom, God answered my prayers. There's a couple morals to that story. One, is amazing how children believe that God will answer their prayers. But two, it's sad how as adults that when we don't want something, that's when we commit something to prayer. Because maybe we've got to the point where we don't believe God answers our prayers. And so today we, we, we kind of want to talk about prayer and um, how we can have a more effective prayer life. Uh, Oswald Chambers said this, prayer is not an exercise. It is the life of the saint. It's not something we just do. It is our very life. He also said, prayer does not equip us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And sometimes I'm afraid that we do that, don't we, in our church, in our ministries, in our personal lives. Man, when we've got something big out there in front of us, we stop and we pray about it. Sundays roll around, and Sunday's my big day of the week. It's the busiest day, and it's the, one of my most important. And so, man, uh, I'm praying hard Friday and Saturday. God, I'm going to have... But really, prayer should not be what prepares us for the big thing. Prayer is the big thing. It is the big thing. Max Lucado said this, Prayer pushes us through life's slumps, propels us over the humps, and pulls us out of the dumps. Prayer is the oomph we need to get the answers we seek. Prayer is so important. We could look through scriptures and we could share several with you. In order to have a successful prayer life, though, there are some things that just have to be in our lives. And the first is this, we must have a humble heart when we pray. We don't approach God with a brazen attitude, demanding our rights, demanding what belongs to us, but rather we have this humble heart as we come to our Heavenly Father. He speaks in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, and he says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And if there was ever a time when we've needed to hear this passage of Scripture, it's perhaps now in the history of our country, isn't it? America has turned her back on the Lord. And it is time that as Christians that we humble ourselves and turn to God in prayer. Second, in order to have a successful prayer life, we've got to be wholehearted about it. We can't just offer up quick prayers, not really thinking about what we're saying, not really meaning what we're saying, but really coming to God and being wholehearted about this thing. Earnest about it. Jeremiah 29 and 13, he says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And how many times do we pray quick prayers? And I'm guilty of quick prayers at mealtime, for sure. People sometimes call me to pray and they're shocked. They said, you're a, you're a preacher. And I'm saying, we're about ready to eat. We're not having church. Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it to our body. Amen. Let's move on. But listen, when it comes to issues in our lives, we need to seek the Lord wholeheartedly. 
earnestly. This is a matter that is so important that we're coming to God with. We've got to be wholehearted. And in order to have a successful prayer life, we've got to have faith, don't we? We've got to believe. Why pray if we don't believe that God has the power to answer our prayers? I don't think God wants us just going through the motions and not really believing that he's going to do anything. It should never surprise us when our prayers are answered. But the sad truth is that it does sometimes, doesn't it? But we ought to have the faith. In Mark eleven twenty four. he said, Therefore I tell you, whatsoever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And I wonder sometimes if the reason our prayers aren't answered the way we think is because we have prayed prayers without faith. God, can you do this? God, will you do this? And we say amen and we walk away rejected, feeling like, well, it doesn't matter anyway. What's going to happen is going to happen. But we have a God that can turn back time, don't we? We have a God that can make the sun stand still. We have a God that could create this whole universe. We have a God that has raised the dead to life. We have a God that can do anything. And so when we pray, no matter what we are praying for, we must always believe that he can do these things. How much more effective would our prayer lives be if we really believed them? If when we pray for the sick, if we really believed and had faith that God could heal the sick, I wonder how much more could be accomplished. Or when we ask God for the necessities of life, that if we really believe that he would meet our needs. So we've got to have faith. And in order to have a successful life, we have to live right to have a successful prayer life. If we're not living right, it's kind of ridiculous to go to the Father and, and, and just expect that our prayer life is going to be on top of the world. James three, or James 5 and 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then he says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And that idea of being a righteous man means I am living right. And in order to have a successful prayer life, we've got to obey the Lord. 1 John 3 and 22 says, and we will receive whatever we ask or whatever we request because we obey him and do the things that please him. And so those are just some ideas of what a successful prayer life needs to be involved. That These are things that just have to be in our lives for us to really expect to have an effective prayer life. But I want to give you some things this morning that I've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks that just, I think, impact our prayer life. And here's some just thoughts from me. Thoughts from me and, and some scriptures to, to support what I'm saying. But this is it. Number one, take time to pray. If I could give you any advice about prayer, if you were to come to me and say, Pastor, teach me to pray, I think the first thing I would say is take time to pray. We just don't take the time to do it. We get up and, and we sleep as long as we can sometimes, and we hit that alarm clock, we hit the snooze a few times, we jump in the shower, pour our coffee as quickly as possible, and out the door we go, and we say we just didn't have time to pray. The reality is we don't have time not to pray. As busy as we are, we need all the prayer we can get. I don't know about you, you probably are like me, does it just seem like we are busier than we have ever been in life? That we're coming and going in every direction. And someone asked me the other day, I think it was Joyce asked me, she goes, how are you liking the house? How are you liking the house? I said, I love the house. I just don't have enough time to sit there and really enjoy the house. 
I get up in the morning, have my cup of coffee, look around and say, man, I need to take care of this, I need to fix that, I need to do that. And by the time I come home, it's dark and it's too late and I put it off. We're just so busy, aren't we? But as busy as we get, we cannot afford to not take time to pray. James chapter 4, James really comes down with prayer. And he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. So he really addresses the issue of struggles and fighting with one another. He says at the heart of it is because you want stuff you can't have and you want stuff that other people have and it just causes all these problems. But then he says this. He says you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. See, we just simply sometimes don't have because we don't pray. And then we're so wrapped up in the things that we want or the things that others have that we want them so bad that when we do pray, many times our prayers are selfish and our prayers are misdirected. But at the heart of that is just, have we taken the time to pray? Some of us will carry struggles in here today and stress and burdens and worries. And the simple question is this, have you taken time to pray? And it sounds so simple, but I'm telling you, it's a question that stuns us sometimes, isn't it? Kathy's kind of famous in our house for asking that question. And me, Kayla, Lissa, and Beth all hate it when she does it. But we'll get stressed out about something or worried about something, and you just want to share, and you want her to hug you and love you. And first thing she says, have you prayed about it? And you just want to say, shut up. <laughs> just, just, you go pray about it. Because sometimes she caught us. We hadn't prayed about it. Take time to pray. F.B. Meyer, the theologian, said, The greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. And that is very true, isn't it? So take time to pray. Second thing that I would say, if someone asks, well, teach me to pray, I would say, ask God for anything. Ask God for anything. Sometimes we are just so worried that we're asking God for the wrong thing or, or maybe we're asking him for too much or I don't know what it is or maybe we're, we, it's not spiritual enough. I had a dear friend, uh, he, he was uh, eight, in his 80s, late 80s and uh, he'd get so upset sometimes we'd have men's meetings and breakfasts and things and the guys would pray and a lot of the guys' prayer requests were things like, you know, I need you to pray for me to get a job. And we'd all, yeah, let's pray you get a job. Or, hey, man, I need you to pray for me. We need a car really bad. Our car is about ready to go on. And they'd pray for things like this. And he'd, he'd tell me later, he said, man, that is, that's so unspiritual. I said, why? He says, well, those are just earthly things. I said, yeah, but those are things these guys are worried about. The car is going to get him to church and back. It's going to help him provide for his family. And, it, it's, and he just had a hard time with that. And, he, and then we, he, it came down to this. He said, God's too busy to deal with those little things. I said, God's never too busy. I said, you can't keep God too busy that he cannot answer the little things. In fact, amen, some of the sweetest prayers are those of little children for what we think might be little things. Kathy has come home, of course, she teaches on Wednesday night, and there's been times she's come home when kids have asked prayer for puppies and kittens and sick chickens and all sorts of things. 
And you know what? I believe God hears every one of those prayers. Ask God for anything. In Philippians 4 and 6, listen to what Paul told the church. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Ask God for anything. Are you stressed out this morning? Are you stressed out this week? Are you stressed out this month? Are you stressed out this life? What are you stressed about? Get on your knees and talk to God about it. You say, well, it's, it's silly, really. Not to God. He loves you. He cares for you. He's better than the best friend on earth. He's better than the best father that ever existed. He's there to hear your prayers, and he's there to answer. Ask God for anything. Ephesians 3 and 20 stretches the boundaries even of what we ask God. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He tells us there we serve a God who is able to do more than we could ever ask or think. How many of us have occasionally stumbled in our prayer life because we wondered, am I asking God for too much? You can never ask God for too much. You could ask him for everything, and he could far exceed that. Ask God for anything. Third, if someone were to say, teach me to pray, I'd say this, be honest with God. Be honest with God. You know, isn't it funny sometimes when we pray, especially when we pray in public, we slip into some foreign language. It's almost like we become Shakespearean actors when we pray in public. We use our arts and thous and these and vines and all sorts of flowery language, and we don't talk like that in real life. And prayer is just communicating with God, and I know that He is God, and there's a level of respect when we speak to, to God, but our language isn't different. I mean, when we drive through McDonald's this afternoon and grab your hamburger on the way to Westgate... And they say, welcome to McDonald's, can I help you? And you're not going to say, would thouness give me a cheeseburgerist? You're just going to spit it out and say what you want. Just be honest with God. Say what's on your heart. If you're happy, say, God, I'm, I'm so thrilled right now. If you're sad, say, God, my heart is so broken right now. If you're confused, say, God, I'm confused. I don't understand this. If you're angry, say, God, I'm angry. And I don't even know why. But I'm angry. Or maybe you do know why. But be honest with God. And You know, the thought that, well, you can't be honest with God. He already knows. I mean, you're not going to fake God out. You're not happy about something. You go to God and go, oh, thank you, Lord. This is wonderful. He's going to say, liar. I know your heart. Be honest with God. Psalm 17 and 1, listen to what the psalmist said. He said, hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. And then he says, give ear to my prayer from, from lips free of deceit. Listen to me, God, as I speak to you. And God, I'll always be open and honest with you. Isn't that what God wants is us to just open our hearts to him? 
Robert Schuler said this, nothing is more important than honesty in prayer. There are no pretensions in prayer, so the best place to begin is wherever you are. Just go to God and be honest with him. And fourth, if someone were to say, teach me to pray, I'd say this, just pray. God understands perfectly. He understands perfectly. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were asking me about, about an issue, and, and I began to kind of explain it, and then I, re- I said, I'm not communicating well, am I? And I knew that I wasn't. I was going in circles and trying to express something, and I couldn't express it and didn't know why, and they were clueless. You could just see it in their eyes. You ever feel like that in your prayer life? When you're praying and, and you really don't know what to pray? You're not quite sure what should happen, what needs to happen. You're not even sure what you want God to do. Just pray anyway. He understands perfectly. I was with Seth about a week ago, I guess, on a Saturday, and his phone rang, and I thought it was genuine calling him, but it was Justice, his son, calling him. And Seth's like, hey, little man, and he's talking to him like that. He goes, okay, daddy's got to go, bye-bye. And then he goes, we're about six or seven months out from even understanding a word he says. (laughs) But he carried on this conversation with him. But our Heavenly Father understands every word we say. He understands every thought in our heart, even when we don't understand it. Someone said this, be thankful that God's answers are wiser than our prayers. God hears us, and he answers according to his will. But he hears. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, there are ideas in our hearts There are wishes, there are aspirations, there are groanings, there are sighings that the world knows nothing about, but God knows them. So words are not always necessary. When we cannot express our feelings except in wordless groanings, God knows exactly what is happening. God understands. Romans 8 and 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that, though for, that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. What the author there is saying is simply this, is that there are times when we don't know what to pray, but we pray. And the Holy Spirit takes our prayer and he interprets it to God as it needs to be. Just pray. God understands. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, said, The best prayers often have more groans than words. And that is so true. In that passage in Romans, he drops down to verse 32, and he said this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So in one verse, he tells us, just pray. Just pray. Even when you don't know what to pray, pray. And the Holy Spirit will take it to God and interpret it for us. And then he reminds us that if God would give his only son for us, Wouldn't he be willing to do anything to provide other things for us? Just pray. 
in closing this morning, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, really give us the heart of prayer and why it is so important that we pray. He says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then he says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is so important that we pray because it is God's will that we pray. That's his will for our life. We can wonder about God's will for our life and all sorts of things, but one of the things we know for sure is God wants us to pray. He wants us to come to him. He says, rejoice, pray without ceasing, and give thanks. And by the way, I think all three of those can be a part of our prayer life. As we come to him, rejoice for the good that he's done. Pray, ask him for the things that we need, that we long for. And give thanks, certainly, for all that he's done. Because God answers prayers. Let me ask you this this morning. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer? Has it become just an exercise? Or do we understand our prayer is the life of the believer? It is everything. Is it one of the things that when life gets so busy, it's the first thing we cut out of our schedule? Or is it the last thing we'd ever leave home without? Prayer. Our God stands waiting for us to speak. Let's stand. Lord, we...